Hi, this is Howard, and I am a Master Gardener in Susquehanna County, Pennsylvania, and your host for this podcast. This is our fifth episode of Digging for Answers, and our fourth episode in 2021. We are so excited to see that we have had over 288 downloads since we started in November of 2020. Digging for Answers is a podcast that has been created with the Susquehanna County Library and Historical Society. We're well into a summer busy season with so much going on in the gardens. Wondering what we're going to cover in this podcast if this is your first time listening? Well, one, if you're not aware of it, we have a Penn State Extension Master Gardener Hotline in Susquehanna County. And you can either call or email any gardening questions that you may have. It might be about vegetables, flowers, bushes or trees, your yard, or anything that is related to them, including those critters that sometimes uh, want to gnaw down on them. Your question will be assigned to one of the master gardeners in Susquehanna County. There are about 40 of us. And then... They are off to do the research on the question and then get back to you with some answers and feedback. For this podcast, we try to pick out some of the best questions that come to the hotline and then bring them back to you so that you can hear the answers too. Second, we look for seasonable topics that our presenters can share with you. And we're only going to have three of those today. It may be a master gardener or a member of the local gardening club, or someone else in our local area that will have a topic that our listeners should find some interest in. In this episode, we will have two of our county master gardeners reporting on three very interesting topics. Third, we always try to end our episode with a great, or maybe not so great, gardening joke. Also, Be sure to listen to the end of this particular podcast. I'm going to share with you a way that you can win an Amazon Alexa device. That way, you can check the weather, ask for a joke, or even listen to this podcast. It's easy to enter, but if you don't listen to this podcast, you won't know how. If you have any gardening questions, you can always give us a call on the hotline or send us that email, but you can also subscribe to this podcast from your favorite podcasting site, and you'll be sure to get the next episode when it's released. Here's the two ways you can leave something on the hotline. You can call the hotline at 570-666-9003 and leave a detailed description of the problem that you're having or what you would like to know about. Be as specific as you can if you're describing an issue with flowers, vegetables, or trees. Be sure to leave us details on how to get back to you, either a phone number or an email address. Let us know what the best time to call you is if you want us to call you on the phone. And again, that number is 570-666. 9003. You can also send the hotline an email at susquehannamg at psu.edu. I'll spell that out for you. Susquehanna 
mg at psu.edu, and that's spelled S-U-S-Q-U-E-H-A-N-N-A-M-G at psu.edu. If you are going to send us an email, let us know how you would like us to respond to you, either by a return email or a phone call. Email is a great way to get a question to us if you have any pictures about the bugs on your plants or something wacky happening with the leaves or something weird with the fruit. So remember, if you've got a question, give the hotline a call or send us an email. All right, let's get started in this episode. Today we have two presenters on three topics. For the first segment, Stacy, who you've heard before if you've been with us, is back with her fourth part of a series on planning and planting the garden. Then Stacy is going to be back to tell us about the great demonstration and education garden site that we have here in Montrose next to the Master Gardener office building. Then another Master Gardener, Jean, is going to share with us something special that's coming up just in a couple of days, the Hartford Fair, and how someone could become a master garden. That's a common question that we get is, hey, how did you get to be a master gardener? What do I need to do to become a master gardener? And Jean's going to give you some of the highlights. So let's start off by hearing from Stacy again on the fourth part of a series about setting up and taking care of the garden. If you missed the earlier segments, you can always go back and download those podcasts. And I hope that bird isn't going to come back in the middle of our segment. So I'll be back after we hear from these presenters. Hi, this is Stacy Kolechitz, Penn State Extension, Susquehanna County, Master Gardener Apprentice, here to talk to you today about weeding, watering, and bugs, oh my, in our gardening series. With the greatest enthusiasm, you've chosen your garden space, prepared the soil, purchased and planted your seeds and plants. You have watched your plants acclimate to their new life outside of their pots, and they are doing great. The rows where you planted your seeds and plants are straight. In the beginning, there are no weeds in sight. Then, as your seeds start to appear, so do the weeds. Little weeds are growing around and between your tomato plants. Weeds are growing in between your carrots and beets. Weeds are growing between those nice straight rows. There are so many little weeds that they look like a cover crop. What are you going to do about weeds? Remove them. A weed is a plant growing where it is not wanted and in competition with cultivated plants. Weeds compete with your crops for sunlight, water, nutrients, and space. Weeds are very adaptable to conditions in the areas where they grow. Weeds grow quickly when given the opportunity, provided in newly tilled ground. Weed seeds have been known to be viable for up to seven or more years waiting for conditions to be right for their growth. Tilling brings weed seeds to the surface and unencumbered by sod or shade, weed seeds will thrive. There are several ways to manage weeds. 
Hand pulling or hand digging works well in raised beds and in small areas. Remove weeds when they are small, usually one to two inches tall, or as soon as they are large enough to pull. You will want to pull them out gently from the soil. Take care that you do not pull out your little veggies as you weed. It is much easier to remove weeds when they are small. Remember, the larger the weed, the greater the amount of nutrients and moisture that are taken from the soil and your crops. For larger areas, you might find a hoe helpful. Hoe in the spaces between your rows. Gently hoe the dirt around both edges of your plants. Don't hoe too deeply or too close to your plant. You don't want to disturb or cause damage to the roots. Annual weeds such as chickweed, lamb's quarters, and broadleaf plantain pull out easily when the soil is moist. Perennial or biennial weeds such as dandelions, grasses, sedges, and garlic mustard will pull easier when the soil is moist as well. Care must be taken to get the entire root of these weeds or they will continue to re-sprout if just cut at the surface. There are also manual and powered rotary cultivators that are available. However, with this type of cultivator, you will not be able to get too close to the vegetable plants without causing damage. Tilling will also bring more weed seeds to the surface and the weed cycle starts all over again. You will want to pull weeds before they flower and ideally before they go to seed. Do not compost weeds that have gone to seed. You definitely do not want to add more weed seeds to your garden. Hand-pulled weeds may be laid on top of the soil to dry out. Turning weeds under will provide organic matter to the soil. However, if rain is forecast in a day or two after you weed, you will want to remove the weeds from the garden or flip them over one more time to dry. Rain may wash some of the soil back onto the weed roots or they could re-root all over again. It is best to cultivate, pull, or hoe weeds when the soil is moist, but not when wet. Weeds are hard to pull out of the ground if the soil is too dry. Mulching helps to reduce weeds because mulch blocks the light needed for weed seeds to germinate. Mulching does not disturb the soil or bring more weed seeds to the surface. Planting crops closely with their mature size in mind, also known as intensive planting, creates a canopy that shades weeds out. Watering. Watering is perhaps one of the most valuable resources for our gardens. Our plants cannot live without water. Keeping plants properly watered, especially when extreme temperatures can cause raised beds and gardens to dry out so quickly, can be very challenging. Are your plants looking wilted in the early morning? This could be an indication of water stress or could also be a sign of disease or a pest problem. Are your plants looking wilted late in the afternoon? Then it's time to water. The best time to water your gardens are early in the morning or late in the afternoon. Do not water the leaves of the plant, but direct water to the roots. Having wet leaves can promote disease. Allow some time for any leaves that may have gotten wet to dry before nightfall. You will want to water deeply, regardless of your watering method, whether you are using a sprinkler or drip irrigation system. 
How much should you water? During extreme weather conditions, during the summer or hot, dry, windy days, watering may be needed three or more times weekly. Mulches and garden fabric can be used to help retain soil moisture and to conserve water by preventing wind and sunlight evaporation. Monitor and observe the health of your plants daily. Look for signs of leaf problems, such as holes in leaves, wilt, chewed leaf edges, leaf spot, curled leaves, powdery mildew, distorted or end rot on fruit. If you are unsure of the cause of your damaged plant, please call the Penn State Extension Susquehanna County Master Gardeners Hotline at 570-666-9003. That's 570-666-9003 for assistance with your plant concerns. Bugs. Oh my. Don't panic if you see an insect in your garden unless you actually observe the insect on the plant causing damage. Not all bugs are bad bugs. There are more than 100,000 insects found in the United States alone. However, less than 1% of these actually feed on plants in a harmful way. There are many more beneficial insect species than harmful ones. In reality, many of the insects we label as pests are essential in our natural world Termites, for example, are serious pests in a home. An infestation may cost hundreds of dollars to eradicate, and if ignored, could eventually destroy the house. But in a forest ecosystem, these termites are beneficial. They are a vital component of the biogeochemical cycle that releases nutrients from dead plant material. Without termites and other decomposers living on the forest floor, Organic molecules would be locked away in piles of dead wood, unavailable to living organisms until released by fire or erosion. Many insects call your garden home. You should learn to recognize some of the helpful insects. Beneficial insects are an important part of keeping your, health, your plants healthy. Did you know that hoverflies, surfids, love aphids, did you know that the predaceous ground beetle feeds at night on insects such as cutworms, maggots, snails, and slugs? Did you know that ladybugs, in both their larval and adult stages, eat many types of insects, including aphids? The minute pirate bug munches on thrips, small aphids, spider mice, and other insect eggs and small larvae. Even spiders, which are not actually in the insect family, are consumers of many insects. These are just a few of the beneficial insects that help to protect our plants. So keep in mind that not all bugs are bad bugs. Whenever possible, we should encourage good bugs to live in our gardens. Just knowing what the good bugs are and what they look like is a good place to start. It is just as important, if not more so, to know and recognize the bad bugs. Bugs that can cause damage to your plants include, but are not limited to, aphids, the striped cucumber beetle, the Colorado potato beetle, cabbage worms, Japanese beetles, flea beetles, 
squash bugs, and although not insects, slugs and snails. By knowing the life cycle and other insect facts, you can choose your method of control more easily. Start with the least harmful methods. This is called practicing integrated pest management, or IPM. Step one is to identify the pest. Make sure it's not actually a beneficial insect. Step two, decide how many of the pest insects are tolerable. Remember, some pests are necessary to feed the beneficial insects and some plant damage is natural for any ecosystem. Step three, think about using alternative control methods while you wait for the beneficial insects to take over for you. Be patient. It can sometimes take several days for them to make a difference. And step four, if you choose to use a pesticide, consider selecting one that will target your pests specifically rather than using a broad spectrum product. For instance, a strong blast of water can wipe out aphids and other pests. You can use pruners to remove leaves, stems, and blooms that are pest-ridden or to remove tent caterpillars. An even better way to control tent caterpillars is to open up the webbing to give birds access to the caterpillars. The eastern tent caterpillar is a native insect that provides food for our feathered friends to feed their babies. Slug traps can be used to capture slugs. Floating row covers can be used to discourage cabbage butterflies, flea beetles, and even cucumber beetles. Or better yet, check out science-based companion planting strategies for the vegetable garden by Jessica Walliser for more information. There are also botanical remedies that are plant-derived, but even these require careful handling and an understanding of the effects they may have on you, fish, and wildlife. Always read the label carefully and follow instructions exactly. Careful daily observation of your plants is the best way to identify the insect culprit and to choose your method of control. I hope you enjoy watching your garden as it grows to harvest and that you will join us again when we talk about harvesting your crops in our next podcast. Thank you for joining us today, and remember to call the Susquehanna County Master Gardeners Hotline at 570-666-9003 with your gardening questions. Thanks so much. Hi, this is Stacy Kolechitz, Penn State Extension, Susquehanna County Master Gardener Apprentice, here today to talk to you and welcome you to the garden. The demo and educational garden of the Penn State Extension Master Gardeners Program is located at 88 Shenango Street in Montrose, Pennsylvania. We're just down the hill from the courthouse. Created and built by the Master Gardener Class of 2017 as their class project, the plantings in the garden change from year to year. This year's demo garden has been planned and planted by the Master Gardener Apprentices Class of 2021 as their class project. This group includes Carol, Ray, Kate, Roseanne, Laura, and myself. To start off, we weeded the beds and the pavers and top dressed each of the beds with mushroom compost in spite of the rainy day prior to planting. 
We moved beds, redesigned beds, and changed bed sizes. Many class members grew plants or donated seeds to this year's project. We worked well together. In the garden, a variety of raised beds and planting methods are used to demonstrate possibilities that are available for the home gardener. We started discussing our plans for the garden in February, using emails and eventually meeting before and after our training classes via Zoom. We contacted other master gardeners who had experience with the gardens and asked all kinds of questions. We decided early on that part of our contribution to this effort would be to create a garden journal to document the names and varieties of crops and the name of the garden bed where they would be planted. We would also document any changes that would be made to the gardens, as well as what worked, what didn't work, and what we would do differently next time. We felt that this would be helpful for future planning and plantings in the garden. Fellow master gardeners offered their suggestions, their experience, and their advice to help guide us. I'd like to tell you a little bit about this year's educational garden and to invite you to visit and see all that is growing. The garden is surrounded by a wooden fence, and once inside the gate, you will find 10 raised beds, each unique in their own way. Each is a different design and shape. Some are made with similar materials. Each is its own unique ecosystem. Here you will find a keyhole garden constructed of wood with its own composting bin in the center. You might notice that we move the V-shaped garden that was previously next to the extension office building, where the deer truly enjoyed munching on last year's beets and chard, up into the fenced-in Ed Garden. This garden is made of wood and has a liner of landscape cloth. The liner helps to keep the soil contained while letting excess water drain out. The V-shaped base enables planting of deep root plants in the center and shallow rooted growers on the sides. Moving the bed was a great idea, but it involved a lot of manual labor. All of the dirt was removed by hand and placed in wheelbarrows. It was then hauled up the hill and the dirt was placed on a tarp until the V garden was completely emptied. Then the wooden garden frame itself was carried up the hill and placed in the demo garden. This bed took the place of the previous straw bale bed that was removed. Next to the V garden is a garden that is planted in a galvanized tub. Really? You know the type, an aluminum stock tank that is often seen on farms. Another raised table bed is made of wood and that stands next to the galvanized tub. A raised bed made of wooden pallets was revised by our class. The bed, as previously designed, dried out too quickly and the plants did not thrive in the past. We decided to modify the design. We decided to remove all of the dirt. I know, it sounds like we really like to move dirt, but it was absolutely necessary. Once the dirt was removed, we cut out many of the wooden slats from the top of the pallet. We inspected the landscape cloth that lined the interior of the pallet. We found it intact and we were, thank were thankful that we did not need to replace it. Yet there was still the issue of the soil not holding the moisture and the crops failing in the previous year. So we decided to add cocoa core to improve the moisture retention of the pallet garden. 
Cocoa core comes in blocks and needs to be rehydrated with water. We did this in buckets and mixed one-third cubic foot of the cocoa core with the soil and replaced it all back in the pallet garden. To help contain the moisture of the soil, we placed two by four boards around the outer frame on all four sides to prevent evaporation of the soil by wind. The trellis garden has two sides, each made of wood, with a steel trellis that has been placed overhead connecting the two garden sides. There is a low cinder block garden with patio block cap stones. This garden was compressed in width by our class. Again, this involved not only moving dirt out, but moving blocks in so that this garden bed came in line with the other beds, keeping the main walkway clear. In addition to the low cinder block garden, there is another bed made of stone that is affectionately called the lasagna garden. Come and visit to see what is planted there and you'll see why the name. Our garden even has its own apple trees. We have three dwarf trees that include a honeycrisp, a chestnut crab apple, and liberty apple. And if all of this hasn't piqued your interest, there is also a greenhouse with grow boxes. Outside of the greenhouse is an onion bed and a blueberry patch. We have included some examples of container gardening that include six pots with vegetables and eight pots with herbs, in addition to the raised beds. The garden is open to all to visit at any time during the day and is handicapped accessible. Signage and handouts will be available. We hope that you will stop by and visit soon. Hi, my name is Jean Hollister and I'm with the Penn State Extension Master Gardener Program. I am here today to talk about Master Gardeners on location at the Hartford Fair. As August approaches in Susquehanna County, Pennsylvania, so does the anticipation of the opening of the Hartford Fair. The 2021 fair is in its 163rd year and runs from August 16th to the 21st. Once again, the Penn State Extension Master Gardeners are excited and proud to be part of this historic summer tradition. According to this year's schedule, Master Gardeners will be available starting at 10 a.m. daily during fair week and are located in the Master Gardener building. Garden enthusiasts can view many educational displays on topics such as the spotted lanternfly, emerald ash borer, jumping worms, and view an extensive entomology collection. Also featured this year will be displays on growing garlic and deer-resistant plants. Of course, your gardening questions are welcomed, and we will make every effort to find you an answer. The Master Gardener building is located directly across from the 4-H building and became a permanent part of the fairgrounds in 2016. The inside of the building has been customized to hold various handouts and posters on horticultural subjects. One can also find Penn State soil test kits and publications 
as well as a variety of gently used gardening books. The master gardeners start preparing for the fair months in advance. As August approaches, the four gardens that are maintained on the grounds undergo a transformation so they are in optimum condition and on full display for fair week. Three of the gardens surround the 4-H building and the fourth is a standalone spiral herb garden which attracts much attention from herb growing enthusiasts. The exterior of the Master Gardener building is adorned with various hanging baskets as well as potted vegetable or floral containers that greet our visitors at the entrance. The Hartford Fair is a time to meet individuals from both near and far who have a love of gardening. It is a busy time but a very rewarding week for the Master Gardeners who enjoy the accomplishment that comes from their service to other gardeners and a time for camaraderie with each other. It is also an opportunity to answer questions and personally invite individuals who have an interest in receiving training to become a Master Gardener. So how does one become a Master Gardener? The Penn State Extension Master Gardener Basic Training Program is open to individuals interested in becoming volunteers and sharing gardening knowledge with the public through community outreach. The intensive horticultural training is taught by Extension educators and university professors. Basic training classes include the following topics, botany, plant propagation, soil health and fertilizer management, composting, controlling pests safely, entomology, plant diseases, indoor plants, vegetables, lawn care, pruning, woody ornamentals, herbaceous plants, native plants, weeds and invasives, and landscaping. This program is administered at the county level where training and volunteer service occur. Master Gardener trainees in Susquehanna County are required to participate in a minimum of 40 hours of classroom training, score an 80% on the midterm and final exam, complete an individual and group project, and fulfill 50 hours of volunteer service in the first year. Weekly classes begin this October and continue through March of 2022. If you would like further information on how to become a Master Gardener, please contact the Penn State Extension Office located on Shenango Street in Montrose at 570-278 1158. Again, that number is 570-278-1158. Once the Hartford Fair arrives and you are leisurely strolling the grounds, take the time to view our gardens and most importantly stop into our building for a visit. We look forward to hearing your gardening stories, seeing your pictures, answering your questions, and assisting you in making your gardening experience most memorable. We'll see you at the fair.
Hi there, this is Howard back with you to wrap things up for this episode. And I want to thank both Stacy and Jean for their very informative segments. If you've got any questions about anything that they covered, you can reach out to us at the gardening hotline, either by email or phone call, and mention that you have a question based on what you heard in this podcast. We'll pass that question off to them and get back to you, and then in our podcasts to listeners in a future episode. We will be back soon with another episode of Digging for Answers. That episode is going to cover some of the questions that we're going to be asked at the county fair. So if you're at the fair, be sure to use that sunscreen when you're out walking around or when you're at home working on your garden. And I really hope if you are going to the fair that you stop by to say hello to us. Oh yes, I don't want to forget to tell you about how you can be in the drawing for the Amazon Alexa device. It's the Amazon Echo Dot. All you have to do is visit the Master Gardener's booth at the Hartford Fair and tell one of the Master Gardeners that Howard and or Gene sent you there to enter the special Amazon Dot drawing. They're going to give you a simple form to fill out, and when the fair is over, we're going to select a winner from those individuals that stop by. We do ask one entry per family per fair week. So, you'll be able to ask Alexa for a joke whenever you want to. And, oh yes, speaking of jokes, we need to ask that question. So hold on just a second. Why didn't the Greens cross the road? They didn't want to be road kale. Did you get that? Why didn't the Greens cross the road? Because they didn't want to be road kale. Till next month, have fun out there in the garden. Enjoy the fair and hopefully you'll stop by and tell us hello. See you soon.